I want you to do something for me this morning. I need you to use your memory. I need you to use your mind. I know that's a struggle for some of you, uh, more so than for others. I want you to think back over the course of your life. Again, some of you got to do some more remembering than others. For some of you, this could be a recent portion of your life, or for others, it could be something many, many, many years ago. I want you to think back, and I want you to answer this question. If you could redo, relive, reshape any portion of your life, would you do it? Don't answer out loud. If you could go back in time and and relive any portion of your life and do it differently, would you take that opportunity? And I'm not necessarily talking about redoing a bad choice, although a bad choice, one bad choice, can have many, many ripple effects. And I'm not necessarily talking about redoing a a bad portion of your life. I'm, I'm just wondering if you could get a redo on some part of your life some part of your past, would you? My dad basically asked that question of me this past week. He asked me if I would redo, if, if I could, would I redo my college years? Um, and here's why he asked me. As, as most of you know, I went to the University of Georgia, and it was during my freshman year um, there that I felt and I heard and I responded to God's call in my life to enter the ministry. So I certainly wouldn't go back um, and, and change any of that. But my dad was asking if I would have waited a little longer to go into the ministry. See, Kristen and I got married in May of 2004, and I took my first church in June of 2004. And that was at the end of my junior year of college. So my entire senior year at UGA was spent two, and a half, two hours away in, as I've said, the metropolis of Adrian, Georgia, where I drove to Athens Tuesdays and Thursdays, there and back, to finish my senior year, all the while pastoring uh, a church at four churches. And actually, you know, I don't regret that senior year at all. I I was married. I had always known early on uh, that I wanted to get married early, and that's kind of weird for a guy to say that, but it's true, I did. Um, And I was certain of my call to ministry, And I was ready to start living that out. So I have no regrets about my senior year. I do, however, semi-regret my junior year. During my junior year, I was uh, the co-youth director in my home church where I was in youth in Sandersville, Georgia. And while I enjoyed that for the most part, and it was a good experience, except for my classes in Athens, I spent most of my junior year uh, an hour and a half away from Athens in Sandersville. You know, I guess looking back on it, the Lord knew what he was doing. The Lord always knows what he's doing, by the way. We just have to come to that conclusion. (laughs) He probably kept me out of a good bit of trouble by putting me in ministry so early. In fact, I think the whole reason he put me in the ministry is to keep me out of trouble. (laughs) But looking back on that part of my life, I do kind of wish I had more of of the college experience. Whatever that means. Now, before I, I move on, I've told many people this, that is, um, I do wish that I could go back to high school knowing what I know now. 
I would absolutely rule high school. Now, those were good days. I met Kristen in high school, uh, so that was awesome. Uh, but man, if I could go back to high school knowing what I know now, I would, I would rule school. I would tell myself to lighten up, chill out. Um, I would rule high school, which would be the complete opposite of my experience of high school. But I wanted to do that little exercise with you this morning about reliving your past because it gets to the heart of our passage this morning. Last week, we started this series called Binge Reading the Bible. Uh, and we're looking at different parts of, of the Bible. You see, the Bible is not just one book. It is one book, but it's, it's one book made up of 66 other books. And those 66 books are made up of all kinds of literature and functions and serve all kinds of different purposes. Last week, I introduced you to the Pentateuch, or the Torah. These are the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I'm so proud of some of you, maybe just a few, who actually took up the challenge to binge read those five books this past week. Um, I'm not going to ask you to raise hands, because uh, I don't think there's going to be that many. But some of you did text me and say you, you'd finished, and you were doing it. So... Um, Actually, not many of you said you were finished, but a lot of you said you, had do, you were doing it. So I don't know if you actually finished. But these first five books of the Bible, they, they tell us a lot. They tell us about our creation. They tell us about our fall as, as human beings. They tell us about the way that God redeems us and, and the way that God passed his laws to us and, 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 and the covenant he made with us. And so today we move to the historical books. These books describe the historical events events of the children and the country of Israel. Uh, these books are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, Ezra, Nehemiah, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and Esther. This history includes the possession and the loss of the land of Canaan, the rule of the judges and the kings, the division of the kingdoms, the exiles, and the return to Jerusalem. If you want the cliff note version of these books, we're always looking for the Cliff Notes versions, right? Here it is. In a nutshell, the historical books contain a cycle of Israel's rebellion, God's judgment, Israel's repentance, and God's deliverance. You look through those books, and that is the cycle you see. Look, just read Judges, for instance. It is a cycle of Israel's rebellion, God's judgment, Israel's repentance, and God's deliverance. Which brings me back to the question about reliving our past. Someone once said, those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. Those who don't learn history are doomed to repeat it. So I guess instead of looking back and wishing we could redo and relive our past, which we know is not possible, let's come to that realization, right? We should simply look back and learn from it. And when we open up the scriptures and we get to the historical books of the Bible, that's exactly what we're asked to do. We are called to learn from Israel's past so that we won't repeat it. Because Israel's past is our past. And so we learn from it so that we won't repeat it. You see, as you read over the books of the Bible, you'll realize that it's, that it's just one roller coaster ride. It's up and down, up and down, up and down. Again, it's a cycle of rebellion and judgment, repentance and deliverance. Rebellion, judgment, repentance and deliverance. 
And so instead of us following that pattern, we should instead learn from it. And here's what I want you to learn, what I want you to know, what I want you to go home here today knowing. You ready? I don't think you're ready. Okay. Here we go. God is faithful. I know that was a shocker to you. You didn't expect that coming. But that's it. That's what I want you to go home knowing today. God is faithful. God is faithful. As I read over these historical books and, and look over all of Israel's history, and which is our history again, the big takeaway is this. God is faithful. And we see that in our passage from 2 Chronicles, that God is faithful. To give you a little background of our passage, God is speaking to King Solomon. Solomon was King David's son. If you remember, David, man, David had a, he had a vision. He had a plan. He was going to build a great temple for God, a place where God would rest. His presence, his very self, was going to rest in the temple. David even collected the biggest offering any church has ever seen. From all over Israel, he collected all the materials needed for the temple. But God would not allow David to build the temple because David had been disobedient. He had lost his shot. And so that vision passed to Solomon, his son. And so that dream was passed to Solomon. And when we get to our passage in 2 Chronicles, Solomon has finished the temple and God is speaking to Solomon. And the first thing that we learn from our passage is, is that God is faithful when we are faithful. God is faithful when we are faithful. Listen to, the, to God's words to Solomon. He says, if my people, which you heard beautifully sung, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. God says that if, 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 if we, his people, would humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our disobedience, then God will hear us. God will hear our prayers and God will forgive us. But did you notice? What do we got to first do? We have to humble ourselves. We must first be faithful to God. We have to turn from our disobedience. We can't expect God to answer our prayers and forgive us our sins if we continue to sin, if we continue to be disobedient, if we continue in our pride. I mean, how many times are we stubborn, prideful, and neck deep in our sin, yet all we're doing is screaming and complaining and whining about how God isn't faithful? Where's God? Why can't I hear God? Why can't I feel God's presence? We fuss and we complain about God leaving us when we are the ones who have left God. God's not gone anywhere. We're the ones who have moved away from him. Yet no matter how many times, here's the thing, no matter how many times we act the fool with God, God is faithful and just. And if we will get to a place where we will humble ourselves before God, 
God will hear our prayers and forgive our sins. You see, God is faithful when we're faithful. And the other thing I want you to see is that God is faithful even when we are disobedient. Listen to these words again. But if you turn away and forsake the decrees and commands I have given you and go off to serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from my land, which I have given them, and will reject this temple that I have consecrated for my name. I will make it a byword and an object of ridicule among all peoples. This temple will become a heap of rubble. All who pass away will be appalled and say, Why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this temple? People will answer, Because they have forsaken the Lord, the God of their ancestors, ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt and have embraced other gods, worshiping and serving them. That's why he brought all this disaster on them. And what we know from history is that all this came to pass exactly how the Lord promised because of Israel's disobedience, our disobedience. You see, here more than anywhere is where we need to learn about our past, our history, so that we can have a better future. God is patient. Do you know that? God is patient. I don't know if we often think about God being patient. But God's patient. The historical books of the scriptures prove God's patience with us time and time again. God's people, us, disobey God, turn their backs on God, and yet time and time again, God remains faithful. Every time God's people repent, God is there to forgive. But before there was repentance... There's judgment. You see, when we think of God's faithfulness, we tend to focus on God's faithfulness to us in order to save us. But God's also faithful in his judgment. When God promises punishment or judgment for our disobedience, he kind of means it. He means it. Parents, I don't know about you, but the hardest thing for me as a parent is consistency. Anybody, anybody with me or I just know up here by myself? Consistency. You know, especially with three kids, it's hard to be consistent with all three. It's hard to stand your ground as a parent and, and to follow, you know, follow through every single time. I mean, if you say this is the consequence for this or for that, then you, got, you, know, you kind of have to follow through with it, right? Or else your word kind of loses its power. But it's hard. It's hard. It's hard when you had a bad day. It's hard when you're tired. It's hard when you just want to break. You know, maybe I'll just let it slide this one time. Just this once. But, but when you do, guess what? You pay for it ten times over. It's never good when you let things slide as a parent. Some way, shape, or form, you're going to pay for it. Well, guess what? Even in our punishment, which ultimately leads to our repentance and ultimately to our redemption, God is faithful. Time and time again, God is faithful. He doesn't let things slide. Even when we want him to, even when we want God, just give us a break this time. God is faithful. God is faithful. God was faithful to his promise to the Israelites that if they turned their backs on him, that he would cast them away. He would destroy the temple 
And God did exactly that. God was faithful even in their disobedience, and God is faithful to us even in our disobedience. God is faithful in our punishment and our judgment, and God is faithful to also redeem us. You know, you may not like to think of God as, as, as a God who punishes and judges. That's not, very, that's not a very PC thing to say in our world today. I mean, when we have parents who fail to discipline their children, of course we don't want to think about a Heavenly Father who's going to discipline us. But for me, punishment or judgment or discipline, whatever you want to call it, for me, is really a sign of love. You don't discipline someone you don't love. You discipline someone you love in the hopes that they learn and they grow and they become better for it. What we see in these historical books of the Bible is truly God's faithfulness. Though we run away, though we are prideful, though we turn our backs on God time and time again, God is faithful. So guess what? I don't have any homework for you today. Some of you are like, whew, thank the Lord. Those five books were tough, and then we're talking like 15 or so. I'm not going to ask you to binge read the historical books, unless you want that punishment, I mean that joy for you yourself. You can, you can take it on if you want to, but I'm not going to ask it of you. There's no homework. I simply want you to know that God is faithful. He is faithful when we're faithful, and he's faithful even in our disobedience. Discipline is not a sign of hatred from God, but it's a sign of love. Let us learn from our past that God is faithful and just so that our future would be one where we humbly seek the face of God. Amen. Our closing hymn is, is number 600, Wonderful Words of Life. It's going to be like our theme song for this series. Um, we're going to close with that each week. I want to share with you um, my devotion that I got this morning, that many of you got this morning. I don't know if you've opened it this morning. If you get the, daily, if the seed bed, I talk about it a lot. But it was Psalm 100. I'm just going to read it to you. I didn't plan on this, but anyways. It says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And here's what I want you to hear. For the Lord is good. And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The, the, the person who wrote this devotion made the point that God's faithfulness is at the core of what we believe about who God is. And we learn it from a young age. What's the, what's the table blessing? Our kids know it. God is good. God is great. Let us thank Him for this food. 
God is good. God is great. We're talking about God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is at the as is the cornerstone of what we believe about who God is. And so I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what's going on, but I hope that you needed to hear a word this morning that God is faithful. He is with you and will always be with you. Let us stand as we sing this morning. May you go with the love of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen.